saying I can do it. I'm saying it's a good goal. Like it's it's like not impossible, but it's it's hard, and that's why I like what what that's a perfect goal. So I'm not delusional, but it's um it's also it's um going to be bloody hard to attain. So um like that's the perfect goal. So that's what excites me. Um, it's the chase and um, going. Oh, can I do it or can't I do it? And whether I if I don't do it, then I don't do it. But at least it was exciting to try to do it. Yeah. Welcome to the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced runner and running physiotherapist. I created this podcast not only so I had an excuse to talk running each and every week, something that I love to do, but more importantly, this podcast gives me the opportunity to interview fellow runners, friends and health professionals in a relaxed and easygoing format. This podcast is designed for the everyday runner, so we can all live, learn, grow and enjoy everything there is to running together. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, Dane Verway here from the Run Culture Podcast. I hope everyone's coping okay with the current COVID-19 climate. As you'll hear, today's episode is something a little bit different, so I hope you enjoy it. I just want to quickly clarify that a few of the goals of mine have had to change since the recording of this episode due to the race has no longer been held this year. But hopefully I can still maintain that goal going forward in the long run once the world is in a better place after COVID-19. All right, enjoy the episode. Yeah, good, mate. Um, it's um, you came up with the idea, and I thought it was a great idea. Um, uh, pretty fun, and um, yeah, I've really enjoyed coaching you, Damien, and and the other guys from the squad, and yeah, looking forward to being interviewed by you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always strange to you know be on the other side of the table, I guess, and you know now to you, who's gonna yeah. respond to me? Yeah, you're firing the questions. I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> Alrighty, so I thought we'd start almost inside running podcast style. Yep. So I've got your IAAF PBs here. <laughs> um, I think you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, and feel free to digest these a little bit and discuss them as we go. Sure. So it's got you for, so we'll go from shortest to longest. Yep. So it doesn't have you for an 800. Do you know what you'd run for an 800? Um, yeah, I do, because I remember one season, it might have been a year or two after year 12, I focused on breaking two minutes and four minutes, um, so two minutes for the eight and four minutes for the 15, and I did it, I, I just broke it, I, I think I ran 159, um, it would have been at an inter-club race, uh, I would have been a couple years out of school, uh, out of year 12, um, 
so yeah, that was that was a pretty fond fond memory. Um, and then as soon as I did that, my, the mission for the rest of the season was to break four minutes for the fifteen hundred. So I think it was in the same season. Would have been about two thousand and six. Yeah, well, it yeah. says here for fifteen hundred. It was fourth of November two thousand and ten. It's got you at three fifty nine point five. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, well, maybe it was a few years after. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm getting. I've been in it too long now. Um, but yeah, that that um, was a memorable race because that was the seventh fifteen hundred I did that season. I remember I started the season at about four oh seven, and then it gradually got to four oh five, and then four oh two, and then four oh one. And then finally did it, um, and it would have been one of the last races of the season for me for the fifteen hundred, um, and yeah, it just shows that um, yeah, when you focus on something um, for a while, you can you can achieve it. So it was it was a really good good for me because and and it was, I was sort of at the point where I was like, okay, I'm really not a fifteen hundred runner. Yeah. Like I just I couldn't get any faster, um, and and I. I seemed to really struggle over the last lap or last 200 in the 1500. Um, whereas a lot of, um, yeah, of my friends who, who were more naturally inclined to the 1500 seemed to kick on and, and have that extra strength in the last lap. Um, but I always seemed to, yeah, find the 1500 and the 800 quite hard. But uh, I don't know, it was a good challenge anyway for that season. Yeah, no, no, I said, by the looks of it, it looks like that year, well, all that work you did over the 1500 paid off. Yeah, because um, it says it's that same year um, for the three k was your PB. That's got you at eight thirty six. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I did that um, at an interclub at Ballon Park. Yeah, it says Frankston. Yeah, so that was actually pretty cool home track to to do my three k PB, and that's that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get that again. Um, just seem to have lost my speed now. But um, that was fresh off a Falls Creek stint. I I remember. It's funny how memories just come flooding back. Yeah. Yeah, so I came straight off off the mountain. I'd stayed at Falls Creek for three weeks, and um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, yeah, I would have done a little bit of speed up there, but I think I was just really fit. And um, yeah, I remember that race. Sam Crowther, um, a good runner at the time, he was he ran eight twenty at Interclub, and I think I came second. I sort of had a ding dong battle with another athlete called Dave Carver. Who actually went to the Rio Olympics actually um, in the marathon, uh, um, yeah for Mauritius, um, yeah. But he ran two thirty eight, um, and then he got serious and really kicked on with his running after that. This sounds yeah. like one of the hottest races that Bellum Park's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny like when you look back at your own races, um, how much you you start to think things come flooding flooding back. I suppose that's how much. Yeah, I love running and how much it's meant to me. Um, but yeah, it was just a little, little interclub race, and um, no one else will remember it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I like it. Uh, all right. So for the five k, it's got you at fourteen fifty in twenty fifteen. Oh yeah, that was actually a pretty memorable race because um, that I I had started doing marathons in two thousand fourteen and did my first marathon and hurt my Achilles pretty badly after that because of the step up in training had six months where I just couldn't run much and um yeah I, I mean it was just great that was off um yeah about four months of good good training and to to get back to a 1450 for me was really memorable 
and I I won that race. Um, it was the B Division five thousand. Yeah, um, November. Yeah. yeah, and um, I was uh, I don't know. There's actually it's on YouTube. Um, and um, yeah, it's um, you have those races that you always remember, and um, yeah. I just um, got going on that last lap. I was about 30 metres, 20 metres behind um, Peter Street, who was leading, and um, just had a really good last lap, finished in 64 seconds. And um, I looked pretty funny when I sprint. And, um, it was just a whirl of legs and, and arms. And, um, 230 yeah. cadence. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, my cadence was up at 230. <laughs> exactly, Damien. And um, so every, all my friends after were laughing at me. Um, in terms of how funny it looked, but you got last um, laugh of the win. Yeah, I was. I was um, yeah, that that were that were also pretty happy for me too because it was a PB and that still is my PB. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I like that. Um, so for the ten k now, it's got you. It's got two times here. They're both pretty close. The same year. So for the ten thousand meters, it's got you at thirty one oh three, and for the ten k, it's got you at thirty one oh six. Okay. Yeah. What years were they? So twenty seventeen. You. 10k track was in Geelong, so I'd say oh, yeah. Steigen 10, spectacular. Yeah, yeah, well, um, I, I um, ran Steigen in 30, 40 in the first ever Steigen. Um, so this was the original Steigen where yeah. there was 10 of us that um, um, stood on the start line and it was organised by this um, great guy from Geelong, Brett Coleman, and uh, we got an AV official and we all picked a, a, a soundtrack um, for the event. And um, I just always remember um, that race. So, yeah, I ran 30.42 and I came, came second to Scott Rantel um, in another big last lap. Um, uh, so it would have been a 64-second last lap. Um, Liam Adams was pacing us, um, which was great. Like, he did a great job and... We went through halfway in fifteen forty, and then I finished in fifteen oh two. Yeah, so it's like only twelve seconds off my five k best. But some days you just have those days, and that, that was that magical sort of um, flow state, kind of um, one of those runs where it felt effortless. And um, yeah, I, yeah. So that that was actually my PB. So uh, um, I'm not sure. Maybe because it was. Um, the first ever Steigen, bit too under the radar. Yeah, a bit too, a, bit too um, underground um, yeah. for, for it to to um, pick up on the IAAF <laughs> website. No, that's all right. Yeah, pretty good, pretty impressive, really. Yeah. Sounds like that last lap that you couldn't get in the your eights and fifteens is well caught up to you in the long distances. Yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm not not as um, um, I, I think I struggle with that lactate um, tolerance and. Um, when the pace is a bit easier at the start, like that 10K where we go out in 1540, I was soon learning that that's how I run better. So when the, when the pace is a bit easier and I can work into it, for some reason um, I had my better races. Whereas if I was under the pump early, um, yeah, I had a lot of races where I'd um, have results that I was um, oh, just really unhappy with and, and I'd, I'd really struggle. Um, so yeah, um, who else was in that 10k? Um, oh, Brady Trailful was in that race as yeah. well. Um, yeah, so he was he was there with a lap to go. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's just another one. Like like the 5k, like the 1500. Um, you you remember all your PBs, so yeah. yeah. Oh, that was nice. Um, so before we get into your half and your mara, 
Um, I've got you for a 15k, and it'd be your Ballarat XCR, I'd say, at 47.22, and that was last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had, um, yeah, I did, I, yeah, I seem to have a good good um, run at that Ballarat AV 15k. Um, I've, I've had, um, I ran pretty much the same time, like maybe a, a 40, 47.26 or something, like a, a few years before it as well, um, for fourth fourth place um uh it's it's amazing how much the depth has changed because i reckon i came 19th um last year with a similar time yeah. so yeah a victorian distance running is in a really good state but yeah i was pretty wrapped with that run that was three weeks after gold coast marathon where i was yes. a bit disappointed um I, I knew i was in good good shape um six weeks before gold coast with my adelaide marathon i just um yeah, didn't put it together at Gold Coast, I think I but remember this. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be nice to have something, you know, get your spirits back up again. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, so did that and then um maybe a few weeks after that, maybe four weeks after that, did my half marathon PB, I think. I think that's where I did Burnley in sixty seven forty nine. Yeah, so they stitched you up here and they've got you at sixty nine oh six. Oh really? On the Gold Coast in twenty fourteen. Oh no! <laughs> I was going to say I, I was there to watch your race in Burnley. I know you run quicker than that. Yeah, yeah. So Burnley's been a really good stomping ground for the half marathon for me. Um, I've run three PBs there. Um, so when I was your age, Damien, I reckon I ran seventy fifty two, and that was um, yeah, my first half marathon, and uh, or maybe maybe my second. I think I did one at Geelong, Geelong. Um, I might have been a couple of years older than you, but yeah, I did the Geelong half marathon in 75 minutes and then I did Burnley. Um, and then maybe a couple of years ago, I ran it in 68.10, um, which was um, a really big breakthrough and um, it was great to finally break the 69 minute barrier. And then um, when I ran 68.10, I just knew that um, I'd just be so satisfied if I could get it in under 68. Yeah. And so that was the whole aim last year after, after, I had a bit of a flop at Gold Coast Marathon. I was like, oh, what can I get out of the season? And and then the whole aim was to rewrite that half marathon PB from there. Yeah, well, yeah. because that Gold Coast was kind of fell out from under your feet. You had such a good training block. I remember this. And oh, yeah. It was almost like the last two weeks you just got sick. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, had a had a bit of battles with asthma my whole, whole um, life here and there. So things seem to set it off whether it's um fatigue stress or or a different environment or really cold weather or if i go um overseas sometimes i've got a few triggers um and it's not it's not super bad um i can still run um but it um it does um hamper my breathing and and um yeah and and yeah i definitely wasn't right at gold coast um which was a bit of a shame but um i was still pretty happy with how well I, or the effort I put out on the day, um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> but I think it just shows though, like the fitness wasn't lost because in all these races that followed, you ran so well. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that's um that was um yeah something that I took away from. I was like, okay, well it was just I wasn't right on the day, and then literally three weeks later at Ballarat um, off a marathon, I I was able to yeah do my 15k pb and then four weeks after that a half marathon pb so yeah i think that's a lesson for anyone and it's one that i reckon i've um 
sort of said to you and a few of the other guys in the squad is we can get pretty down on ourselves after one particular race or one session but sometimes it's 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 more because you just weren't right on the day whether that's because of exams or some kind of stress that you're going through at the time it's not like you've lost the fitness the fitness is there it's just you weren't right on the day and you give yourself a few weeks of um recovery and and get yourself right again and and the the fitness suddenly you suddenly um another runner like you you just reach another level so it's actually um something that i didn't really understand i reckon as a youngster like i probably beat myself down a bit too much um from day to day if i wasn't running um uh up to scratch on that day but just knowing that you know that fitness doesn't disappear overnight especially if you haven't missed a day for four years like um yeah no i think that's good it's good to hear especially like from a coach to an athlete it's you know, good to have that. Makes you feel a bit better on a bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so can't move on without mentioning your marathon PB. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> a big breakthrough. The yeah. two twenty two forty five at Berlin. Yeah. Just tell us a bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that was um, like that. That was such a memorable day for me because uh, I debuted in the marathon, like I said, in two thousand fourteen, and um and ran a really good debut um, uh, at Melbourne and uh, pretty much did the whole preparation with my good friend, Matt Davey. And we trained, um, we didn't put a foot wrong uh, for the six months before it and just trained really well for it, ticked every box and then pretty much both had really good debuts and ran two, both ran 2.24 on debut. Um, And so then we kind of were like, oh, okay, if we can do this on our first one, maybe we can actually be sub-220 marathoners one day. That's um, a huge debut. Yeah, so, but I think then I just did, um, then I, I was struck down by the Achilles, and then I um, I think my next one was in Japan. I did Lake Biwa, and I did it a bit underdone, um, and it was a few months after that 5K PB and I, I probably just um, didn't like because when you do an international race you sort of have to book everything and um, and then it's booked and then once you get to the date even if you're not quite right and not quite fit enough you're sort of like well I've paid everything I'm, I'm going to go and do it yeah. and I think the prep just wasn't there with um, that one and ended up running at 231 and really blew up and then after that, I think it was um, Rotterdam. I'll, I'll, I'll be missing a few of these because I, I forget the sequence. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then um, I ran a 2.27 and that was, um, I was trying to do, I did that a few weeks after being the physio at the World Cross Country in Uganda and um, I was really busy in the month before it um, uh, with work and I ended up doing uh, physio at the Nitro Athletics meet. So I just remember um, burning the candle at both ends with that one and, and once again getting a bit of asthma in the lead up. Um, so I ran 2.27 um, but once again just wasn't wasn't wrapped. Uh, then um, from there um, I changed my training a little bit and started to do um, a little bit more longer stuff and, and got really influenced by Josh Harris. Um, uh, who was a marathoner at the time, who was doing a lot of um, Renata Canova kind of training. And so I, I did change my training a little bit and I ended up 
doing Hobart Marathon on a bit of a whim. Um, and I was just like, oh, it'll be fun. But maybe I just try to, rather than go, have a time goal, just aim to, um, yeah, just aim to win a marathon. Maybe that's a different goal. And, yeah. and so I went over there and, and not knowing who was going to do it. And um, I was like, oh, maybe I can win it in like a, a just under 2.30. And, um, and, and anyway, um, Dion Finochario and um, uh, Sammy, um, an Ethiopian who's sort of lived in Australia for a while, was doing it, who's a 207 marathoner. Yeah, um, so that was great competition. And anyway, they pushed me a lot and I ended up running... Um, uh, two twenty four, and I won the race in a um in a in a really uh, strong finish, like a three minute last k. So suddenly my confidence came back again yeah, that I could I do it. Yeah, and um, but I still hadn't done my PB from Melbourne, and then I ended up running Canberra Marathon and came second there in two twenty six. Um, and so now I was um seven marathons in, and I still hadn't done my PB from my first one. And so then I um, decided to do a blog uh, for Berlin and I um, ended up doing a 16-week blog where I detailed all my training and there's some, something in documenting and, um, and telling everyone what you're doing because you have to do it. And, and so I just ended up dotting my I's, crossing my T's and did this really great lead up for Berlin Marathon and then I got over there and I stayed with um, Brady and I was, I was with Julian Spence as well and ended up um, getting to the race and I did have a bit of asthma again in the lead up before it, but it seemed to, I just got it, got it right on the day and um, yeah, ran a 2.22.45 and um, felt fantastic and there's nothing like Berlin Marathon, it's so flat. Um, it's so ideal for running um, and having had all the experience with um, all the other marathons over here, um, be it Hobart where it's a bit hilly, um, Melbourne I'd done a few times where it'd been windy um, and um, just ha having a run where you're like, oh, it almost feels like you're running downhill the whole way yeah. um, and then having this perfect pack where I had about 10 guys where I just nestled myself in the middle I went through halfway in 71.15 and, and the whole aim was to break 2.24. I'd had a few really good results in the lead up to it, which suggested that I would be able to do it. Um, but I just didn't want to get carried away because I just wanted to show to myself that I could do it and um, break 2.24. And um, it's funny because after the first marathon I did, people were like, oh, maybe you can break 2.20. And then I remember chatting to my coach, Pete Swallow at the time, and he said, no, nah, don't try to break 220. Try to break 222 or run a 222. And then once you're a 222 guy, maybe the next step is to try to get closer to that 220. So um, I suppose in my head, the goal was to try to try to run in that 222 range, but but make sure I broke 224. And, and, um, and it worked. Um, yeah, it was a pretty memorable memorable day. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. It sounds like you ran really even splits that day too, going through half. Yeah. Half. Yeah, I think I was 71.15 and um, 71.25. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so I um, yeah, lost 10 seconds um, on that second second half, but um, it, that's nothing that's in, the, not in a, a marathon. That's not a second to kilometre. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and no, I paced it really well. I was pretty proud of, 
of of my efforts on on that day um and uh yeah i can I, it was pretty it was, it was funny because i felt so good the whole way it was just probably that last 7k where it was quite painful but that's the same case with any marathon and just tried to to hang in there and and i think when you have your best runs you sort of look back on them and they're, they're not your most painful runs um sometimes like they're because you because you know you're on and and you're so focused and you're so in the zone and um uh yeah you're not you're not you're not stressing you're sort of like and especially because i knew i felt good at halfway like i was like this is it this is it and you're just in that positive headspace so yeah. so much of the journey feels good you just yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all working for you. Yep. Yeah. No, oh, that's amazing. Um, so I think we'll move on. Really, yeah, we'll break those apart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned in training when I first suggested this that we haven't really heard much since you, similar to your blog for Berlin, that you you did the lead up to two bays in your podcast. Um, so I guess what's training been like for you since then? Yep. Um, especially with COVID and. Yeah. What do you think you're looking forward to now? Yeah, it's been pretty hard actually. I was I was just treating a patient before you came, and I was chatting to him because he's a runner as well. And I found it really hard to dig deep on some of the harder sessions because I've realised how much I use races um, to at those times to go. Oh, I'm doing this for a reason, and and then suddenly your training gets a bit more purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, especially like um, with a few of the sessions that I like doing for marathon training they are pretty involved and you, you do need to commit mentally and you do need to yeah it, they're not easy um some of the sessions um so um uh, for example on on the weekend i was i was planning to maybe do 90 minutes with jess um and we were doing it at just under 340 per k but i got to 60 minutes and i was like oh no that's plenty and you know maybe if i had a marathon you know just on the horizon i, I would have pushed myself to do 90. so i have found it hard um but i've sort of been thinking um that maybe some of the smaller events might still go ahead um so i'm hanging on to the hope that maybe the ned kelly chase uh 50k will go ahead in late october because it's a a smaller sort of um race um in a country town in wangaratta um so yeah i'd hope that that goes ahead and then i can have a crack at a quicker 50k time um so that's um about 14 weeks away so i've planned my training for that and i've written it all out um and then um, if that gets a bit more real and it is going to go ahead um yeah then yeah i'm just i'm just shaping my training towards that um at the moment um but it's it's probably like you damien and um and and i, and I know that pete um has mentioned it too in training yeah it has been hard to sort of um yeah um i don't know focus like you normally can because there's a few there's a a race in three weeks or two weeks um yeah it has been easier to treat patients because um there isn't a race in two or three weeks so they're more likely to listen to their body um and i I probably i probably think that's how i've used it a little bit too like i've used the time to get my achilles um a bit more right and and worked on that and and really tried to do the strength and the and the skipping um and a few other things that I, I wouldn't normally have the time to do if I was, um, or I'd be too sore to do um, if I was um, in a full full marathon build-up. So used it to try to get ahead um, with a few of my weaknesses. Kind yeah. of in your own physio now, like just yeah. listening, being a bit more 
Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so you've got to practice what you preach, even though, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a bit of an art to that because uh, um, I know heaps of running physios, um, myself included, that, um, yeah, they don't listen to what they say. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, you might know what to do, but there's another, another, um, it's another thing in, in terms of listening to it and, and doing it. Um, the emotions get in the way. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of that as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a bit of a skill, um, and that's why, like, um, I reached out to Matt and Zacher, um, two of my good friends, um, a week or two ago. I was like, oh look, I'm thinking of doing this and that, and what do you guys think of this and that? And I I, I routinely do that, um, you know. It's good if you, if you are self-coached to at least have a few mentors and a few people that you you like um, bouncing ideas off um, just because they can often go, why are you doing that? Or what's the point of doing that? And, and then they, they do sort of um, show to you when, when you are starting to think a bit more um, from that emotional side rather than that logical side. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I didn't know that you got this kind of input into your, your goals. Yeah, I think everyone should. Um, it's important because there is that trap with running um, where you, you, you might be able to be good at telling someone else what to do and, and see it because you are third person and you're, you're a bit departed and you're, a bit, you're not as emotionally invested um, in, in it um, so you can see the logic a bit better. But when it comes to yourself... Um, uh, you need someone else to help you with that too. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just wanted to ask, what what excited you? Like you're talking about this fifty k. Oh yeah. Day. What ex <laughs> what draws you to the trails? What? Oh yeah. So it'll actually be on the road. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but I think because the record, I really think it's achievable. Like, like I said, I was never blessed at the eight hundred or fifteen hundred. Um, and I'm not the best marathoner going around, but I, I still think I'm more genetically endowed over the long distance, whether it's a personality trait, I'm good at concentrating and I'm good at doing things repetitively for a long time and not, and not, um, succumbing to fatigue and just persisting. Yeah. Um, so that's always been a good trait of mine, um, personality wise. And, um, that's probably the good thing about running is you don't have to be genetically the most talented runner going around but if you're super keen and passionate i think you can through years of training um really physiologically adapt and and really um you can probably be like a, a medium sort of talented runner like which i probably put myself in that bracket where i'm not the most genetically talented runner but i my talent is um persisting and and being being passionate and, and having done it for a long time and still being keen um, and being able to commit to a goal and sticking to it. And um, over the 50K, I think that trait lends itself well because it's, um, you know, the, the Australian record's um, two hours 53. Um, and I've, I've, I've run that pace um, and quicker in a marathon. So I, I think I... I think it's within my capabilities and I feel like I could do it given the right race and if there's some people around me to go to go somewhat close. But um, yeah, so it's a, you'd say it's, um, and it's a record, there are some 
records that are just ridiculous um, in the in Australian athletics. Um, yeah. But there are some records that are performed less, and they're not many people do it. So then you'd say they are softer records. Jeez, it'd be cool yeah. to say I've got a coach's an Aussie record. Oh, well, we're talking out of turn, but um, I think, you know, that's... So it's obviously going to be a hard goal, and I'm not saying I can do it. I'm saying it's a good goal. Like, it's, it's like, not impossible, but it's, ha- it's hard. And that's why I like... What, 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 that's a perfect goal. So I'm not delusional, but it's, um, it's also... It's um, going to be bloody hard to attain. So, um, like, that's the perfect goal. So that's what excites me. Um, it's the chase and um, going, oh, can I do it or can't I do it? And whether I, if I don't do it, then I don't do it. But at least it was exciting to try to do it. I yeah. can hear it. It's, that yeah. is exciting. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, all right, so I think we'll move on from that. Um, yeah. What did you get to know? How did you get to where you are today? Like, yep. your family, like... Um, Junior running career, yep. Um, involvement with like Frankston Athletics, like yeah. How did you get to be the Dane that you are today? Yeah, I think um, a lot of it's got to do with mum and dad. Like they're both PE teachers, and they ran a lot when I grew up. I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, my two brothers ran, and we were right into sport growing up. Um, the court that I lived in. We lived next to three boys on one side and two boys on the other, and we le- lived next to a primary school. So every day after school, it was football or some kind of competitive sporting game um, for, yeah, our whole childhood. So sport was just um, something that I loved genetically, and um, I was in an environment where it was um, promoted, um, and we all just did it. So um, I always knew I'd be involved with sport um and then if you look at my mum she's quite short and small and I'm very similar to my mum in a lot of ways and so I tried to play football through school and I just I love football and um uh it was probably yeah my first passion um but then I just kept getting hurt and I just wasn't of the physical sort of stature to keep going and I was going really well with my running at school and then I sort of had that ability, like I said, to concentrate for long periods um, at a time. So I remember mum saying quite recently that I'd often just um, sit myself in a corner and just play, le- like just do Lego for just ages and I could just concentrate um, for ages. There was this one time in year eight where I had a history project and I started it in the morning. Um, I think I must have been sick um, so I stayed home from school and mum and dad went off to school to teach um, as they do and they left me in my dressing gown. I went downstairs and I was building this castle for history yeah. and um, before I knew it, it was 5pm and I hadn't done anything except for do the castle and I was just busy in my dressing gown gluing things together and that's how I've always been. Like I can get a bit, you know, so, like obsessed and focused about something. Um, and yeah, I think that lends itself to running. Um, you can, you, if you, um, yeah, I can, I can just um, get really focused at trying to get better at something. And it's that perfectionist sort of side of me, I think that lent well to running. And I think I was really just into just trying to get better. And then through school, I just tried to get better and better 
and that chase of trying to get better was what really excited me. And then soon before I knew it, all my friends were in running and, um, and I, I like talking about running and, um, yeah, as, as you've sort of seen Damien, like Damien, like running does attract like a, um, you know, a, a certain type of person and, and you have to be like, um, I don't know, a certain type of person and yeah, um, to like running, I think. I think it's definitely yeah. an experience that a lot of us, like, especially myself can relate to, like, yeah. just the footy player that didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But then, like, that persistence, like, I bet, like, the average ATAR or whatever score at school for a runner is, yeah. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if there's no correlation there, but I bet it's higher. Yeah, no, I think it definitely attracts that um, type A kind of personality. Um, and then probably from there, I realized the social benefits of running, the mental benefits of running. And I think I was too far gone by then. It became a bit of a habit. Yeah. And I, I felt like I needed to go for a run to, to feel good. Um, and then it's become sort of embedded in my life. Um, and then because I was so attached to sport, I think that's sort of why I chose physio. And um, I remember having an old boy um, at Halebury. I went to Halebury and he, the, we always had old boys come back to talk to us about their career and what they got into. And a physio came back and I was really inspired and that was in year eight. And I remember st sticking the ATAR on, on the top of my bed in year eight and going, okay, that's what I have to try to get to be a physio. And I, I, I never thought I'd get it because sort of like running I, I didn't feel like I was the most I was the smartest going around I just um, was a hard worker and and then I just worked hard through school and um, yeah would study a ridiculous amount um, probably um, yeah sort of similar to you Damien yeah, um, yeah four hours a night um, I'd, I often look back to year 12 and I don't think I'd ever want to do it again because it was that hard I, I worked that hard and then I got into what I wanted to get into and I just was lucky that physio um, has, you know how, I think sometimes at, at 18, it's hard to know what you want to do, but yeah. obviously the concept of what physio is has changed. And, um, and then I realized it was a bit more than just um, um, working with a sports team. Um, but I think it gelled well because I've always, always liked helping people and, um, and that gels well with my personality. So um, yeah. And then, then I've become a, a physio and I really enjoyed um, trying to become a running physio and um, and then that sort of led me to working at Southern Suburbs Physio Centre because I was like oh Rob O'Donnell my boss is the physio of the world cross-country team and yes. so I was like oh, okay that's what I want to be and so I was like what better place than to learn and work for um, the person I want to be so um, and then my first interview for the job Rob was like, oh, if you work for us and, um, and you spend a few years under us, um, I'll hand you over that job. And, and sure enough, he did. So, yeah, well that, yeah, that's incredible. And it's like, yeah. it's actually really inspiring from my perspective because, yeah. well, just finishing year 12 and now at uni and as you said, 18, no idea what I want to do. And it all seems, it all happens so quick. Yeah. Um, and that actually leads really well into my next question. Yep. I was going to ask what makes you stand out from the crowd and like has allowed you to get into these reputable, like incredible positions, like yep. your involvement as a physio for AA and your flag yeah. staff troops. And you mentioned um, 
Nitro Athletics as well. Yep. And then, like, I commented on it every week, all these podcasts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What's, yeah, how have you made yourself so well known? I think it's definitely um, a case of um, enjoying it and loving it um, and being passionate about what you do because then I've been, because I've followed my passion the whole way through, I've, I've put in the time and I've enjoyed putting in the time and then um, also appreciate, just I think um, working for Rob, um, like he's a clear example of what I've done. I've gone, okay, well, I really like that. So then I go and associate myself with, with that with, with Rob um, and then Rob's taught me stuff and then um, I think when you're in a sport for a long time so like say I started um, really pursuing running at age 11 and I'm 34 now so for 23 years I've been pretty serious like at 11 I was probably running six days a week um, and then if you're involved with it industry or a sport for that length of time you're bound to make contacts and network and talk to people and then you know someone that knows someone and uh yeah so so i was pretty lucky with one of my coaches um through school her name was nikki frey and she was a fantastic fantastic role model and coach for someone who was um keen for running like me because she um she got the sport and really um uh, made sure that i didn't overtrain and um she also created a great squad um so there was 40 40 runners juniors um yeah so it was a huge squad so it created a great culture at the time so then i sort of stuck with it and and uh, uh and then also Nikki eventually worked for Athletics Australia. Um, um, so that was her next role. And having that contact with Nikki Frey and Rob O'Donnell um, uh, definitely enhanced my prospects. And then them knowing how much I loved the sport. And then once I was of the right experience and, um, and had put in a good groundwork and learnt enough, they started giving me some smaller roles. So I ended up starting out as a physio with the Oceania team um, in Cook Islands in 2014. Um, and that was my first international team. Um, and I also did some um, altitude training camps at Falls Creek um, where AA um, would help put me up um, uh, in some accommodation up there and I'd, I'd be up there for a week or two. Uh, so it started off with um, some teams like that. I also um was like okay well i want to be a physio um at a high level and and i I want to work with runners at a high level so i'll start with the vic team so i applied trying to be the physio for the state team um and eventually got that role and did that role for five years as well and so it's just a collation of experiences um and and probably just enjoying it and being being friendly and um, with with a lot of people and with everyone and and not burning bridges and um, uh, just being able to be friendly with everyone and and uh, 
enjoying it, I think. And, and then it just works out because, and, and then I, I suppose being a little bit calculated and going, well, what do I enjoy? And just put yourself in that environment and follow what you enjoy. And then it's not clear at the start what's going to happen. Um, it's never, it's, it's never that clear, but, um, cause you can't foresee exactly what's going to happen, but, um, slowly opportunities, um, open up, um, and doors open up, uh, if you keep sort of, yeah, following what excites you. Yeah. It sounds like you really, you know, just hung around the right people and just, it's something you've worked towards same as a running goal, really like yep. that you knew you wanted to be yeah, yeah. working with the best and then just the gradual goals and ticking them off and yeah that's it and like i think it started like i think how so i remember um as a kid we would often um so me and my brothers and mum and dad we'd go up north to byron bay um in the september holidays and we'd all just jump in the um forward um um in the holden um uh, wagon and um the three boys we'd be all be in the back and we'd be squished and squashed and it'd be such a long drive but mum would get us to do stuff because um it was boring and um there was no phones back then um and so we'd um do this thing and i remember she um got me to go all right and got us to do all to do in 10 years what what do you want to have happened in your life um you know ideally what you want to have happened and I remember she did that for me and I wrote down um yeah to I wrote down a number of things um but one was to be the physio of the world cross country team um uh yeah there would have been some marathon goals in there as well um but it's amazing what that kind of stuff can do like just even with my Berlin marathon experience just just um writing it down on paper um gives you a little bit of direction and suddenly you've got it um, written down in your head and every decision you make along the way suddenly becomes a bit more directed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you don't know sometimes you're consciously making decisions along the way um, but now that you sort of got some kind of some kind of direction it doesn't have to be like super clear um, but yeah yeah, definitely. But but I've also wrote on that list that I would one day love to be an Olympic physio. Um, and whether I still do or not, like I'm not sure. Um, there's a lot. Like I've got to do a little bit more study to do that, and then also I've probably got to do a lot more years of experience as well. So there's a lot of goals that are unfinished as well. So it's funny, like talking to you, Damien, because I feel like I'm still very much on a journey. Um, uh, and then like talking to you, like, it's definitely not, I'm definitely sort of, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, um, like, I'm not content. <laughs> yeah. You're not done yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, so I think we changed years again. Um, wanted to get to know a bit of your injury history. Um, I think head to toe, like work, oh, yeah. work down, um, and be as open as you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you reckon you Oh yeah, definitely my main injury has been Achilles. Um, I think it's a little bit genetic. Um, my dad had a lot of Achilles trouble. He had Achilles surgery. He's got really stiff ankles and I've definitely inherited my stiff ankles from him. Um, and my two brothers have got really stiff ankles and calves. So everyone's got, everyone's built differently and everyone's got their little weak areas. And um, that is definitely mine. Um, so the last 
six, seven years, I've, I've sort of had to manage that and learn how to, how, how to keep it strong and what stirs it up, what helps it recover, um, what I can, what, what loads are good for me. Um, so it's been a real learning process and I've, and it's definitely been great professionally, um, as a physio, that personal experience, but definitely my Achilles has been my main, main injury. Um, I've been really good otherwise. Um, and if it wasn't for the Achilles, um, the last, uh, five, five plus years, I've hardly had anything, um, I occasionally get, um, yeah, I've had a had a few little niggles, but um, that's normal with running. A um, few tight spots along the way. Um, I've had two stress fractures um, in my early days um, uh, when I was sort of um, year ten to year twelve. Uh, probably a result of still not not understanding the benefits of, um, polarizing my training and, and having some easy days and, um, yeah, just pushing the envelope, um, uh, every day and trying to run as hard as I could every day and still, still sort of of the mindset that more is better, harder is better all the time. <laughs> and also not appreciating and not, 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 um, not having the experience, I suppose, to, and sometimes you have to make those mistakes to learn, um, because they're the most, um, once you sort of go through it, they're really meaningful experiences. Um, yeah. So I think I think once you go through some injuries, um, you really change change your behavior. Whereas if you don't go through injuries, then why would you change your behavior? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so. definitely a product of the same mistakes. And, yep. Um, well, like I look at the last six months and it's probably been the most consistent um, six months I've put together off the back of an injury myself. and. Yep. Yeah, I can definitely relate to your experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Damien. Like, and it's been great coaching you um, and trying to like teach you some of the things that I've learned um, along the way. Because, and that that's probably the been the, the, one of the um, really cool things about coaching is that once you've been in a sport for a little while, you're like, well, I've got an experience that I feel like would really help this runner or this athlete. Um, so, yeah, it's um, yeah, but. But probably, yeah, definitely just Achilles um, has been the main one that I feel like I'm, um, when someone comes into the clinic and they're coming with their sore Achilles, like I feel really at home treating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I like, I like that. Um, so I think that's a really good segue into yep. your training philosophy. Um, yep. Like just as a whole, and what do you think it means to train smart? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably... Um, yeah, that, that's definitely been, um, like I, I would say, what's my training philosophy? I think I've been really influenced by my physio career and because I treat, um, yeah, probably six or seven runners a day with an injury, I see um, a lot of injuries and most of those injuries are because of training mistakes um, and from either like building up their mileage too quickly, their frequency of running too quickly, um, or having too much intensity in their um, training program. So definitely I take pride in um, having a really good um, uh, hold on trying to organize someone's training and um, 
because of my experience from the injury side of things and then my personal experience from as a runner, um, yeah, definitely uh, I like um, deducing and, and trying to problem solve why someone got injured. And, and more often than not, if you look back on their Strava and Garmin Connect and you sort of go through the weeks, you're like, you can start to see some patterns emerging and um, trying to teach someone that, okay, eventually you might be able to train like that, but because you're new to the sport or because you had six months off because of this and that, you need to take it easy and gradually get to there and, ha- and work out a bit of a plan of, um, okay, this is how you should progress and, and do it. Do, rather than progressing your training each week, maybe progress it each three weeks or four weeks. Um, and then maybe you need a down week every fourth week. So yeah, probably, um, yeah, I think training structure um, is, is one of my, my philosophies that I'm probably um, in a good position to, to um, than the next person just because of my physio experience. Um, and then from it, and then, but then I like, um, uh, from a physio point of view, um, where I feel like I fall down a little bit and I'm trying to get better is to try to push people that I see when I've got them from, for an injury into the performance side and still treat them even when their pain's gone away and treat them um, to get them, to try to work at getting them so strong in the gym um, from a performance side that they actually um, not become an injury-free runner, but a better runner and a faster runner. And I think I often see, and this is human nature, you only see a person generally as a physio while they're sore and then then um, then the, the reason for going to the physio soon um, becomes less obvious. But I'd like to, like to get more people thinking... Um, preventatively and proactively about um, certain aspects of, of strength training um, because I think this is um, underappreciated in running. And then also the, the value of running drills and, and hill training um, uh, because a lot of people do just see running as get out the door, put runners on and go for a run. Um, but yeah, don't understand the, the skill aspect of running, um, or, or the value in doing some strength training, um, because strength training is very different, um, from just going out for an endurance run. You, you, you're, um, you're, um, really taxing those fast twitch muscle fibers and, and using your muscles in a different, different way. Um, and muscle strength and strength capacity is so important in running um, and it's often undervalued um, uh, in in just the everyday runner so yeah probably um, the structure of training and the importance of just um, having a few um, exercises in there you know whether it's one two or three exercises that really target that specific runner's weakness um, so that they can be more likely to be an injury-free runner and a better runner. Um, and getting that runner to value the importance of that, um, that extra drill, just as important as um, brushing your teeth. Because 
Um, we've all got a weak area that I think if, it, if we don't appreciate, often, often undoes our running and often means that we have huge periods on the sideline. Um, so, yeah, that's, they're probably, like, I reckon my points of difference. Um, and, and I reckon coaching philosophy um, is ever-evolving as you learn more. And so at the moment, that's um, probably what I'm really focusing on. Um, and, I, and I really, uh, I often um, try to feel like I'm, I'm often preaching. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And like, I definitely know myself, like you introduced me to the strength training and yep. like this polarized model of periodize, like periodizing your schedule. And yep. I, I think it's so important and it's really paid off like for me. And yeah. Yeah, I definitely know, can speak to how important strength training is. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so I guess I wanted to touch on, like as a uni student myself and studying exercise and sport and nutrition as well, there's a couple of questions and I'm going to have to apologise now because I'm going to say, you're getting old, Danny. <laughs> 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 uh, according to my textbooks, you'll be a master's athlete next year. <laughs> it's uh, funny because like when I was 16, I was like, oh, when I'm 30... I'm going to feel so different um, and because this and that would have happened and and you have this picture of what where you'll be. But, yeah, definitely I feel exactly like I do when I – or what I did when I was 16. So it's funny. T- time goes really fast. Um, I don't feel old. Um, and and I'm, I'm not relative <laughs> to some people, but um, – uh, I definitely on Sunday this Sunday when I went for a, that long run, I definitely felt old with my Achilles. <laughs> so I do have moments where I can't run how I used to run, but yeah, still still trying to keep keep those Achilles fit. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great. And like as you've mentioned with like your fifty k um, goals, it shows that you can still achieve so like such great things. Like you're not yeah. really old. And you're yeah, like, <laughs> you've got to put it in perspective of. Yeah. You'd like to still be here for another 60, 70 years. Well, 70 would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you still got most of your life to live. Yep. Um, but does it change your perspective of you as a runner now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I definitely reckon. Um, so I've, the last year or two, like, I, so just recently with the past track season, I tried to get back on the track. And I definitely couldn't run the 5K how I used to run it. Um, and I definitely can't run speed sessions or keep up with you guys in the sprints in training like I used to. I would have easily been able to do do what what you guys could do 10 years ago. Um, but it just, I just can't. Um, it takes a while to warm up. So I've definitely felt the effects of, um, yeah, I'm definitely different than I was when I was 25 at 34 for sure. And my training's a little bit different. So I definitely go, so there's some weeks where I'm like, no, I'm not going to run, um, train hard three times this week. I'll just train hard once or twice. Um, and I've, um, I can easily just go out for an easy run. It's the speed work that I've had to modulate a little bit and not do as frequently, um, because I'm sometimes a bit too sore. And what I've really worked out that's worked well with my Achilles is um, moving up the, the distance. And because it's suited quite well to my um, physiology and my temperament, um, the marathon and doing more marathon specific training and, 
and running sort of at those kind of thresholds and half marathon sort of pace has really um, sustained my career because it's not as sharp and electric. Um, so my Achilles can manage it a bit better. And so I've definitely shifted my views on running where I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I just don't feel like I can do the 1500s, the 5Ks and the track stuff as well anymore. And it hurts too much. But what can I do? And I, and I definitely still feel like I can run a good marathon. And so that's what excites me. So um, you just sort of, I don't know, my whole career, I've just moved up in distance and um, I won't be doing 100K um, and 50K will definitely be the limit um, because I just, uh, I value a bit, like the, the training involved for 100K is, is ridiculous. And that's one of the benefits of running is it's time efficient and and I definitely like having that balanced life of, of um, enjoying time with Jess, family and friends and doing more than just going for a run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely have changed the way I train. Um, definitely doing more sort of marathon specific work. I've definitely changed my focuses uh, away from the shorter events to sort of more the, the marathon events. And But yeah, that's why I like talking to older runners and and I ask, okay, well, you can't do your PBs now for that event. So what excites you? And and some of the runners, like once they can't do p marathon PBs because they just physiologically feel like um, their best days are are past them, they still get excited about doing age group records. So I'm not sure if that's going to be me or not. I know I'll always be a lifelong runner because um, it, it, it is part of me and it, and I do just like literally just going out for a run. I feel better. Um I'm not, if I don't go for a run, I'm grumpy. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know, like in, from a, from a, because I've, 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 performance stuff has really motivated my career the whole way through. So when um, PBs or personal best are no longer an option, um, it'll be interesting. I think I'll just get excitements out of coaching and going for runs and seeing, seeing some of the athletes that I coach perform well and, and I'll, I'll get excited about their careers and, and, um, and cherish seeing them get excited and share their enthusiasm. I think that's the way it'll eventually go. But while I can still run all right, um, yeah, I, I still think I've got a few years. Um, it's just it's just a matter of like how 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 long I can keep these Achilles just going at that certain pace. And then once they can't go um, that PB pace, I'll just enjoy running for what it is. Yeah, I yeah. think that's great just to um, have that focus on what you can do rather than what you can't. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I've always been an optimist and I think that's, um, I certainly see patients that aren't um, and and I think it's a good behaviour, behavioural sort of um, something that you can like, um, at the end of the day, if you can um, just write down, um, if, you, if, you, if you're generally not an optimist, if you can write down the three best things or the three things you're happy about for that day and train your brain to think that way because I, I really think there's a real strong correlation between optimism and um, and recovering fast and having good outcomes and um, just generally enjoying life more. So, yeah. No, that's good. And so I guess we're going for a while, but yep. um, you talked about your coaching and how you think that, like, where that fits for the future. Um, so I just had a couple of questions about coaching and what's been the most rewarding part of being a coach so far? Like, um, like specific races, um, athletes, performances, like what's, 
stood out to you as a coach so far? Yeah, it's, it's, that's a good question. I asked the same question to Chris Pallone on the last episode of yeah. the podcast and he, he's a, a coach that I certainly look up to and, and I really love chatting to him. Like He was so wise and at 63, he's seen a lot. And he answered the question and, and I, it reverberated a lot with me because I was like, that's how I'd answer it. But I didn't know it at the time. Um, but it's when it doesn't matter what the performance, what level the performance is, who the athlete is and because he coached um, Hamish Carter to an Olympic gold medal at the 2004 Olympics oh, wow. and that wasn't even in his top three greatest coaching <laughs> coaching achievements or, or memories um, and, and I think so far um, it's just um, no matter what the performance is like um, uh, like it doesn't have to be like the, the fastest um, runner in the group it doesn't have to be yeah, I've just enjoyed seeing, um, perhaps, I, I, I think, it's funny, uh, it, it's a really hard question to answer because there's a lot of things that I've enjoyed, and I've, I've almost enjoyed just seeing the culture develop amongst the group. I like it when some runners take ownership um, and, uh, and uh, or, or share, share in pacing duties, so then it, it's a bit selfless. Um, I like it when I've seen a runner change their belief or their behavior. Like I, I, I've seen some runners, um, go from inconsistent to being more consistent to having no drive to having a lot of self drive. Um, I like it when I see a runner grow and change. And, um, that's always been something that I've really cherished with my physio, um, one of the best parts of my jobs is when I see a person that I haven't seen for five, 10 years. And, and then I talk about what's happened, um, over the last five or 10 years. And I really like seeing that journey. Um, and I like seeing growth, but it doesn't have to be on the track. It can be off the track. And I like seeing positive growth and change. And I just like seeing people that are happy. Um, and that makes me happy. So, um, especially, especially if like, um, someone someone achieves something that they didn't think they could achieve and and they're just shocked or um or they they look back and see how far their running's gone um uh yeah i don't know it's a hard question i don't think i've answered it very specifically because i didn't want to because yeah. it's quite um it's um yeah but like if, if it was to answer it i mean if it was to answer it a bit more specifically like um I'd say like seeing Joel McGill um, become a bit more consistent and, uh, and, and even just the way he talks about his running is very different than it was a year ago. Um, uh, even just before when you mentioned um, Damien about um, acknowledging the need for polarizing training um, and, then acknowledge, and then seeing Pete Dutton um, do strength training by himself um, when he didn't used to do strength training. Um, to see Jess Dunsmore run um, sub 15 um, and take huge chunks off his time, uh, off his 5K time last year um, uh, was really gratifying because, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've coached myself for a while, but I haven't coached other people for very long. Um, I've coached a lot of people um, indirectly as a physio, um, for a number of years, but I haven't really taken the reins, at, um, as a coach of a squad until the last year. So 
it, it kind of is gratifying to see um, people do PBs under under your tutorage, um, and then also to see the time that he ran for the half marathon was also kind of cool because it goes well. There you go, like um, you're a you're a slow twitch guy, like you're an endurance guy, like um, that gives us a bit of an indication of um, where we can direct your career. Um, so just like when you see sort of little little snippets like that, it, and it, it makes you excited um because you're like wow you didn't think you could do that did you um uh or even like um times where even i don't know like i, I think i'm rambling a little bit but when you wore your watch and you just had the heart rate monitor on and and then s to see how that changed your pace um like and then just to feel like oh finally like i feel like you're really running to feel now like um and just little wins like that oh yeah, yeah. it does not the answer I was expecting, but yeah. I think it's an important answer as well. Like, yeah, because it just brings running back to a human level. Yep. Um, that it is more than just times. It's yeah, like the time that we spend together, and it's a time that yeah that we put into it, and the, what what we get out of it. Yeah, I think it's a um, it's a mature answer. Like, it's an answer that um, if you ask me that question, um, uh like about my own running career and what do I value, um, say um, 10 years ago, it would have been a very different answer. Um, it probably is a answer that um, you learn over time. The more you experience stuff, you realize that, I don't know, it's, it's a more um, philosophical answer, I suppose. Um, you, you start to realize that running's just running. Um, as, as, as important as we feel it is to go for a run, like, um, it's, it's good to get it done, but, um, it's not the end of the world if you, you have a, a, a shocking run. Um, but then like, we're all trying to get better and, and I'm not trying to downplay that. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think, I think, um, I, I remember like that's why I mentioned about yeah trying to be the physio at the Olympics I, I, I reckon about five years ago I sort of realized do I really want to like do I want to do that or don't I want to do that and it's still sort of in my head like do I want to do that or don't I want to do that and and I'm like because sometimes we can just get stuck in this rut or especially that those type a personalities where we're like bigger and better is what we should be trying to achieve but then um like I've spoken to people in that high performance spectrum where it is stressful, it is scary, it is, um, it is cutthroat, it is hard work. Um, but like, um, is that, like, is that, that, will that make me too anxious? Like, is that a good life balance? Like, um, like maybe it's good to, to not feel like running's the be all and end all and, uh, and that's all there is in life, you know, like, I remember um, I'm good friends with Dave McNeil um, and I went over to visit him when he was in America leading up to London Olympics in 2011, 2012. Yeah. And I stayed with, at, his, at his place in Tucson when he was training under Bernard Legat's coach, um, Pat, Pat Lee. And uh, uh, I stayed with him for a week and, and he will remember this because he, he was sore, he was injured. Um, he didn't have a job. His whole focus was to try to make the Olympics. Um, and all his day consisted of, um, uh, 
uh, going to the physio, stretching, um, trying to get right for running, doing two cross training sessions a day, going to the gym. Um, The whole day was about running. And I remember coming home and going to mum, I'm so glad you you, um, encouraged me to think outside of running and that there's more to running, more more to life than running. Um, Because it was it was stressful and he and he'd admit it that it was stressful at the time um and his life wasn't balanced so um yeah i think um as good as it is like trying to strive for high performance i think sometimes and i know for for me i need a balance because if i'm too too all for trying to uh for my running then i actually go worse um and because um because i'm too focused um so Sometimes you need to realize that, um, yeah, there's, there's more to life. Um, and, uh, and, and then often that, um, yeah, you're, you're sort of more in that optimal sort of point. Oh, I think that's great. So much yeah. to take out of that. Yeah. Um, I think we've been going for a while. Yeah, um, I think, yes, yeah, that's a while, 70 minutes. <laughs> longer than it takes to run a half marathon for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for letting me crash your podcast, Dane. No, I, I really enjoyed it, and it was good to, um, yeah, blabber on <laughs> um, about topics that I don't normally blabber on about. So um, you did a really good job, and you asked really good questions. Um, so well done for being so prepared. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Dane. It's been a great chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, back to the regularly scheduled podcast next time. Thanks, Damo. That was a great episode. Thanks, Dane. If I say so myself. <laughs> yeah.